Hello and welcome to Arts Talk Radio. I'm Michael Hasted. We bring you interviews as well as news and reviews relating to all aspects of the arts in Holland, concentrating on events in Amsterdam, The Hague, Rotterdam and everything in between or nearby. Arts Talk Radio Online. Interviews and features on the arts in English. For this programme, we're in The Hague. Later, I'll be talking to art historian Wendy Fossen of Casa dell'Arte about the largely forgotten Dutch artist Sousa Robertson. And we'll have some music from the Merrill Polat trio. But first, here's some opera. Sancho, fortune's coming our way. To engage in prodigious clash and slay. Opera Today is currently on tour with the ingenious nobleman Don Quixote of La Mancha. This Hague-based company specialises in creating new operas, and I met up with Emlyn Stamm, the artistic director of the new European Ensemble, who provides the music. And I asked him what was involved in the process of creating a brand new opera from scratch. So, in this case, um, it's a newly composed opera by Vanni Moretto, who is an Italian composer. But what they've asked him to do is use music from the from the Renaissance, Middle Ages, as it were, and take various numbers from that time and use both the original material played on period instruments by La Fonta Musica, which is an Italian ensemble of four specialized in this music with two singers, And um, he's also used that material as inspiration, along with uh, hundreds or maybe a thousand other quotes from different types of pieces to create his original composed material, which builds the structure of the entire piece. And how does that actually work? Did you start, or do they start with, with the story? They say, let's do an opera about Don Quixote, and then just gather, gather bits together. Yeah, so what they did is they asked uh, Stefano Pintor, who is the, both the stage director and the librettist, to create a libretto and a concept. So he went back to the book, he read Cervantes, thought about it, he examined some of the 150 or so other titles made on Don Quixote, whether theatre plays or operas throughout hundreds of years of history, and he concluded, yeah, let's make a new, a new piece that goes for a, mo a more contemporary but also kind of postmodern look Uh, at the novel and kind of appreciates it in, in that sense because a lot of the historical pieces on Don Quixote are very focused on the sort of comic aspect or the more superficial aspects um, of the story that we all know like the tilting at windmills and so on and these type of famous scenes this is what we remember but uh, I think Stefano wanted to do something more, both more ambitious but also more uh, true to the depth and uh, and kind of multitudes of resonances that the, that the book has. Uh, is all the music for this original? Because I think very often the, the um, opera today, they use bits, uh, established bits and then join them together with new bits. How, how does the Don Quixote work? So we have basically a, a new composition in which there are original medieval and renaissance Uh, songs and instrumental pieces that pop up from time to time and basically in the structure of the story the way it works is that it takes place in our kind of contemporary world let's say 
and uh, Don Quixote imagines himself, of course, as a knight of the of the Renaissance, much as he does in the work of Cervantes, and. This is kind of the Renaissance medieval world interfering, popping into our modern world, and that's where this music from that time suddenly uh, takes over in the, in the opera. And how much are you involved? Um, I, I don't want to be rude, but you're essentially the pit orchestra for this. But do you have any involvement in the construction of the, the piece in the early stages? I mean... Basically, the most of the work was, of course, done by the by the composer Vanni Moretto and the librettist Stefano, and uh, our our input was basically talking a little bit in the beginning about the concept. How are we going to do it? What would we like to do? Kind of which instrumentation can we come to? How can we achieve this process of combining uh, period instruments from you know the the, the medieval times uh, with modern instruments and. Uh, and how is that going to work uh, in the pit, basically? So that's been our challenge to resolve. But the artistic process has really centrally been guided by Stefano Pintor and, of course, the composer Vanni Moretto. Because this this idea of, of, of creating operas from existing pieces is, I would say, fraught with danger. But there there are pitfalls. What do you think the most significant or most dangerous pitfall is? I mean. The, I think the, the danger in this production, in a way I would recommend that people actually see it twice, you know, because the danger here is that you're dealing with a book which is almost 600 pages in most editions. And, uh, and for which everybody has a preconception. Yeah, and which actually, in general, quite few people have actually read the whole thing. You know, most of us know the story via via, or we've read something about it, or a small bit from the book. And uh, what happens in this opera is that there's a kind of attempt to really pack in all of this and give it a contemporary contextualization, which means there's really a lot there. And I've played it now. I mean, I've been busy with it for over a month, let's say, and we've done, you know, five performances. And for me, I'm still discovering things in the, both in the music, but also in the libretto and in the stage action and discovering how things are connected. So it's actually quite a, a complex and intricate piece. Okay, um, and it, the two, you're currently on tour, and the tour finishes where and when? So our last two performances will be here in The Hague, in the, in the Koninklijke Schauburg, the National Theatre, on the 17th and 18th of March. Okay, Eminem of the new European Ensemble, thanks very much indeed. When I say that it will be your last banquet... magazine provides the perfect companion to Arts Talk Radio with reviews and previews in English of cultural events in Holland. Whatever your interest in the arts, our international team of writers will always provide something new and exciting to see online. That's Arts Talk magazine, all one word, dot NL. Arts Talk magazine, dot NL. I'm at the Panorama Mestag Museum in The Hague and I'm with art historian Wendy Fossen and we're at an exhibition of a painter, an artist who 
I must confess, I've never heard of, called Suze Robertson. Am I the only one who's never heard of her? No, you're definitely not, because um, uh, she was forgotten for many, many, many years. She was born in 1855, and she died in 1922, and that is the reason why we're organising, or the museum is organising an exhibition here um, as a, um, in celebration of her 100th anniversary, death anniversary, um, and also as a result of the almost a decade of work, of research that has been done by um, uh, my, my fellow colleagues, art historians, uh, and that um, resulted in this exhibition. And as I said, she was born in 1855, so um, uh, for a woman in those days uh, to actually become a painter and also a successful painter, an independent painter, earning your living with painting was absolutely exceptional and that makes her such a special artist as well. And did she work exclusively in The Hague? Uh, no, definitely not. Um, uh, she was born and raised here in The Hague um, but she lived in uh, Rotterdam for a while. Uh, she uh, actually started out as a, a drawing teacher for uh, at a secondary school, a girls' school. Uh, she even moved to Amsterdam also doing the same job before she actually became uh, an independent uh, artist and um, she uh, was awarded a prize of 400 guilders uh, and that allowed her to um, professionalize uh, and to go abroad. You could use that money to go abroad but 400 guilders was not that much that you actually could spend a lot of time abroad. Uh, so she decided to go to Brabant uh, to uh, little places like Dongen, uh, that's the first uh, place that she visited and also Lure. Right, well, looking at the paintings, they are, uh, what can I say, they, they are very Dutch. I mean, they're like very much like Van Gogh's early work, dark and... Shall we go over there? Yeah, we'll go and look at some... That's a really nice discussion. Uh, we'll start here. Um, because, as I said, oh, she was... that's very dark indeed. Yeah, she was, she was trained as, a, as a, a, a draftsman, would you say that, or a draftswoman in this You'd case? Like draftsman. Draftsman. Is, uh, um, and um, that was her, her strength. She was an incredible uh, draftsman. Uh, she was really... Uh, draw very well, uh, but um, uh, working with oil paint was something that she had to learn um, in her uh, days at the academy, um, and uh, she developed her very much her own style. Because as one of her teachers in school used to say, you know, um, there are already too many people who paint these lovely cows and and sheep and ducks, referring to the Hague School painters, uh, because that's the the, the, the painters who prevailed here in The Hague and also in Dutch art in general in the, those days in, the, in say the, the, the 1860s 1870s um, and her teachers continued then saying okay we need somebody else who's able to express their feelings uh, in uh, painting so she starts developing her own style and here you see an example of a more academic style you see it's all finely painted with um, a body's uh, and it's a, it's a sitting girl um, uh, with an, a, a, a nude back uh, turned towards us, and it, the, the way that she treats the skin is very typical of academic style. This yeah, is yes, how yes. skin is supposed to look mm. like. And when you compare that to the painting next to it, it shows an, an, an old woman. And, and very, very dark. It's and very dark, very dark, almost you already referred to it as Van Gogh. Uh, it looked very much no, like Van Gogh. No, <laughs> I'm saying Van Gogh because that 
is how you pronounce it, but that's obviously difficult for exactly. uh, non-Dutch speaking so, so what's the difference in, in time? How, how much time uh, between these two? Not much time. This is uh, 1888 and this is, so the earlier one is 1885. Yes, exactly. But the thing is that um, she uh, painted in this uh, uh, way uh, already before Van Gogh did. Uh, and it is not that uh, it, you wonder why you know Van Gogh and why you don't know uh, Suze Robertson. And that all has to do with the fact that she's a woman painter, even though in her own day she was highly um, appreciated when she died in 1822 or 1922, uh, um, about two or three years later, uh, she was referred to. It w one of the directors of Pulchi said, uh, "You know, if you want to um, assess which painters are important for the development of modern art in the Netherlands, then you should look at the work of Van Gogh." but definitely also to the work of Suze Robertson. So she was mentioned in one breath with Van Gogh. And we now think um, uh, it is very tempting to say, okay, so she um, did what Van Gogh did. But I think, honestly, that it's the other way around, that Van Gogh is actually like, well, let me put it this way. In general, you see that there is um, a, an appreciation for this type of scenes. Uh, women, uh, old women or men working in very dire circumstances. But I mean, it was you also very much, uh, very much the location. You said she went to Brabant and, yeah. and, and the Van Gogh was in the Borinage, which is all dark and lined. Yeah, 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 and yeah. But that's, that's Flanders. So yeah. this is Van Gogh actually he went to Nunen, where his parents lived, and he painted there also the, the peasants, like the, uh, the potato eaters. Um, and uh, going to these locations, it could either be Brabant or Drenthe up north, um, what they were looking for, these painters in general, the painters from the city, they were looking for something real picturesque, life. real life, and it was painted in different ways. You know, some of them did a more romanticized version of it, but what Susan Robertson did... It is real is, nitty-gritty, the yeah, real dirt. It, it, it is. The, you're, you're with your feet in the clay... Uh, you see the, the terrible circumstances in which these women and men are working. And with Sousa, it is always women, because she found them more easier to approach. And she wanted them to be like um, in a very spontaneous way, so not posed. She wanted to see them in their daily, doing their daily works, they, their daily uh, uh, chores. And for instance, this is... Um, the, the English title is Woman Breaking Branches, and she painted this more than 14 times. And she didn't only paint, she drew them, she did watercolours, she did gouaches. Um, so all these different techniques she applied, and she uh, chose then a subject, and she, she just um, tested which one was then the best. And also, when you uh, look at her entire oeuvre, you can deduce... Uh, just a very limited palette of colours that she's using. Blue, black. <laughs> white, black, but, but there is an incredible amount of colour in it when you start studying them more. The first uh, impression you get is black. 
dark, yeah, yeah. and then you see the blue, you see the reds, you see the whites, um, and you see also yellow, yellow tones. And what we have on the other wall, we were talking about she started, she was mainly a draftsman, she mainly did drawing, are mm -hmm. a series of half a dozen or so really large charcoal drawings, which are really, really incredible and very, very modern, even by today's yeah, standards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is, the, um, the, she uh, um, did these drawings at the Wednesday nights, drawing nights of Pulgi, the, the, the gallery here in uh, The Hague, the Pulgi studio. Um, she was a member since uh, 1884. And one of the nights, this um, very popular model came around, Adolf Boutard. He was uh, an artist from the former Dutch, Dutch Indies, and he was a remarkable uh, person uh, here in The Hague. And um, she made several drawings of him in, in chalk uh, using a wide variety of techniques as well and what she was really good at was um, a method and I, I can't remember the English um, translation of the, the method that she used. She had this thing, uh, it was a rolled up piece of paper, um, very tightly rolled up and that she she um, uh, rubbed it over the chalk uh, in order to create like this this yeah. more. Um, I don't know if there is a name for that. I know what you well, mean. Uh, Dujelaar is the is the Dutch word that we use. Not for much it. use, I'm afraid. No, no, it isn't. Um, but it's it's something that um, 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 creates this this magical um, uh, darkness. Uh, you see it here, for instance, um, because the 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 the, the lines of the charcoal. Uh, and the, the crayons are not as thick anymore yeah. because she kind of... Um, it would be so, what we, it, it's called smudge, it's smudging. It's, 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 it's smudging, yeah, it's, smudging it's, but I mean, that's not, that's, a, that's well, not an artistic it's, it's, technique. No, it, it probably has a, has, has a nicer word for it, but yeah, that's yeah. basically what it is. For our listeners, then you know what it is. It's a bit of smudging in the... But I mean, these drawings, there's two two here, which are yeah, a metre by about yeah. 60, 60 centimetres. Yeah, five in total of the same uh, subject. And it's the only man that you see here in this exhibition. Uh, for the rest, she painted uh, women. This is um, an interesting room. Uh, it's, it's actually a pretty big exhibition. It Just has uh, exhibition. 70 works. Uh, and the, the works that you see here are um, the most impressive. Um, as I said, she was using uh, um, models that lived around her. Um, there's an entire story, and maybe people should read the, the review that I wrote for, for the details, but these uh, I want to show you in person, um, because they show um, her servant, uh, Pietje, as she is called, Petronella, um, and uh, you see her depicted sitting in a chair. It's primarily brown uh, color, so natural colors. She's sitting in this chair. Um, uh, we see her frontally um, with um, uh, a, a book on her lap. She's either holding the book or um, uh, she's got her uh, hands uh, crossed in front of her uh, stomach. Uh, and she's sitting there almost with her eyes closed and as if she's contemplating what she's just read. There's no way that you can tell that this is a Bible that she's holding in her lap, but she's thinking and she's almost in her own world. And the pictures are almost like icons because got a lot of gold on them. Exactly, that is the idea, that this is like an earthly Madonna uh, with the, 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 the gold leaf behind her, uh, suggests that's, that's exactly what she wanted to depict. Here, um, in the next room, uh, we see one of the, one of the paintings that was actually bought by a museum that you see here. 
And then, um, since you have seen um, the paintings that she's done until now, uh, do you think that this one is a Robertson painting? Or very, di very different yeah. indeed. Very different indeed. You see that, like, uh, we, we are looking at a nude, uh, and the, uh, this nude lady uh, sitting here with a background, a, a, a very dark background. Is this background. an early or late? Or no, this is a late work. This is a late work. Now, now she's she's already uh, uh, successful. Uh, she has her uh, solo exhibition, kind of a solo exhibition, uh, in 1905 in Rotterdam, and they show 87 works of her, uh, which um, half of them is actually in uh, private, uh, privately owned at the time. So you see that she is uh, pretty successful with uh, private collectors, but none of them has entered a museum yet. And this one is then in 1907, the first one to actually be bought by the uh, Dordrecht Museum. Um, and then they just wonder why don't we have one in the Stedelijk Museum in Amsterdam, for instance, and then slowly but steadily. But this is a very, very, very classical painting. It's very large. It's nearly two metres, yeah, 180 yeah, or something it, by it about is, a metre. Yeah, and it's it's called, uh, the, the, it was a nude figure. That was the, the original title. And then uh, she called it Lena, referring to Helena, uh, Helen of Troy, um, because that would um, more or less... Um um, make it possible to show a naked woman or uh, well, you know, you don't see anything because you see her on her back, she's turned away from us but it is a nude and that was something that was still not really much appreciated also for museums so um, since, but the way that she treated the, the paint here it is much more an academic painting Right, there's a series of paintings of three houses. It's, it's a, a city gate, a yeah, city gate of Harderwijk. Uh, um, yeah, um, and it's uh, the, 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 the fish gate, as it is called in, uh, in Dutch, uh, and um, it, it, they, they almost look alike, and that's how she worked. She worked in these series. I told you about yeah. the, the, the branch-breaking woman, 14 times this, I don't know how many, but uh, quite a few, and in different techniques. Um, okay, I think yeah, that yeah. will do, actually. Um, I'm at the Suze Robertson exhibition at the Mestak Panorama. Panorama Mestak. Panorama Mestak. I'm with Wendy Fossen. Thank you very much indeed. Yes, you're welcome. Just to make that clear after my verbal fumbling, the Sousa Robertson is at the Panorama Mestag Museum in The Hague, and that runs until the 5th of March and is highly recommended. Also highly recommended is the actual panorama itself, which is in the same building, and that really is amazing, so that's, that's a must-see. So, that's all for this edition of Arts Talk Radio. I'm Michael Hasted. Arts Talk Radio Online. To play us out, here's a track from the Meryl Polat Trio. Meryl is a Dutch actress, theatre maker and singer of Turkish Kurdish descent, and her music very much reflects this. The trio is currently on tour, playing all over the Netherlands to promote their new album. Here's a track from it called Daya. I hope I've pronounced that correctly, but I'm not even going to try and pronounce the name of the album. But it's the new one from the Meryl Polat Trio. <laughs>
Sur ma belle. 